It's time for another edition of the Publics and Privates OK Preps podcast, presented by Scordal. And now, here are your hosts, Ben Johnson and Michael Swisher. Hello, and welcome in to another edition of the Publics and Privates OK Preps podcast. Uh, joined by my co-host Michael Swisher, I'm Ben Johnson, and wanted to give a big shout out to Tom Nelson for our, being our big voice guy. Now I think that makes us officially official. Michael, what do you say? Man, I, I mean, we've got a graphic. Um, we are. You, you can get us on, uh, you know, the podcast on Apple. Uh, you can get us, you know, all those other places you, you named off. And now we have an intro like that from a, a real radio guy like Tom. Uh, we're legit. Now we just need subscribers, right? Yeah, that's right. So if you know if the so the five people out there listening to this, please tell your other five friends and have them tell five friends, and then maybe by the new year we'll we can have about twenty people listening to us and make it all worthwhile. Yeah, we'll get this going like a Ponzi scheme. There we go. Well, I was gonna we we're gonna dive right in, talk a little bit a little bit about what happened this past week. Um, have some interviews coming up later in the podcast with Tuttle wrestling coach Matt Serber and Tuttle's Carson Berryhill. Kind of targeted him to talk to him because after everything he went through in football season and now having a lot of success like he's always had on the wrestling mat, wanted to kind of pick his brain and see how his senior year has gone because it's I mean been full of championships and awards for him. Yeah, it's been and, an all right year, I'd say. Yeah, that's why I wanted to talk to him and kind of see if he could put all that into words because since he started walking the halls of Tuttle High School in August. All he's done is win. Um, I mean, I, that's pretty expected whenever November rolls around and it's wrestling season. Well, I guess technically their football season lasted into December. So whenever December rolls around and get wrestling going, they always expect to win. But, you know, they won the 4A title in football and kind of got that success rolling early in Tuttle and even you know, talked to Coach Serber and uh, asked him, you know, just how things – and Tuttle have gone, considering you know softball team won a championship, and then football just um, nonstop winning in Tuttle right now. Well, uh, yeah, I mean you said football state championship, and now um, you know they had a slightly dominant weekend uh, on the on the wrestling mats in Shawnee. Didn't what didn't lose a match uh, all three days at, at dual state wrestling championships, ten in a row. Um, yeah, all they do is win. I mean, I hate to steal from Sammy Jackson at Cashin, but yeah. All they're doing is winning at Tuttle. They're good in basketball. They're going to be, you know, a contender in baseball again. Uh, so, you know, things are, are definitely going strong for the Tigers. Yeah, and um, I'm going to talk a little bit about dual state here in a little bit, but just to put a brief recap on what Tuttle did, you know, they rolled out in three duels. They had Grove, Cash, and then Wagner in the finals. Um, you get 14 weights apiece in each duel. Um, they didn't lose a single weight. And, you know, there were a couple times during championship night, Saturday night, I was sitting next to uh, Sean Hine at the Wausau Reporter, and he and I were kind of just watching all the mats all at once. Um, he mainly had to worry about broken arrow on the 6A mat. But we're sitting there talking about, you know, oh, if Wagner's going to score any points, this might be the kid. This might be the kid. And I think there might have been two or three of those. Sure enough, none of those guys ended up winning. And there was even one. I did a video with a kid named Reese Davis on our on Squirtle. Talked to him because he was down. I believe it was nine to two, nine to three in the first period, and just one of those matches kind of getting manhandled all over the mat. And I think he almost could feel the fans and the bench kind of getting nervous, maybe that they might give up points. And next thing you know, second period starts, and he just flips the script. He's 
he score. I think he scores a takedown, and then he started doing the thing where score takedown, let him up, and then a couple seconds later, you're taking him down again, just on repeat. And before you know it, blinked an eye, and it was tied. And sure enough, he won 14, 14 to eleven, and kept Tuttle's shutout streak intact. And then just a completely dominant weekend from Tuttle from start to finish. But I can talk a little bit more about that in the dual state wrap ups here in a little bit. But wanted to jump in and talk about some of the high school football rule changes. I uh, saw that uh, Jacob Unruh at the Oklahoman published a story today talking about some of the changes that are coming to high school football in 2019 and one of them being a 40-second play clock. I don't foresee that being a huge deal. I think he refer- yeah. referenced in the story about how a lot of, by the time the ball is spotted, there's 18 or 19 seconds left, so this will afford for a little bit extra time. But honestly, I think when, after a game or two, I don't think much of us will notice a whole lot difference anyways. No, I think the uh, the biggest adjustment is going to be for uh, the uh, the play clock keeper um, because you know there's going to be some forty second times when they got to put forty seconds on there, and there's going to be several other times. Uh, well, you know what is it after a timeout or an injury or inadvertent whistle uh, or things like that? It'll go back to twenty five seconds or first play of the a quarter. So you know the uh, the play clock keeper is going to have to be on their toes. Um, outside of that, I'm with you. You know, I don't have an opinion on it one way or the other. I don't think it's going to change a whole lot of the game. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I'm glad to see, or I, I'm not saying I'm glad, but I know I noticed there's, a, you know, making allowances for instant replay. Uh, that's next to impossible in Oklahoma. Sure, there will be uh, there will be a shot clock in basketball. I think before there can be instant replay in Oklahoma, just because of all the technology involved in that. Uh, of course, that's more of a a playoff thing, but still, you know, when, when you're playing on home sites, um, uh, it makes that, uh, still really difficult. And with Oklahoma not playing at a centralized location, uh, for state championships yet, uh, or again, then, you know, that's just really not, not something that, that Oklahoma could handle or take on right now. Yeah. You mentioned the play clock operator being the one that's going to really be the one tested. And that's the first thing that came to my mind. Cause you know, we step into a lot of these venues in the press boxes and, you know, you never know if it's going to be, you know, a middle-aged coach running the play clock, or it could be a guy that's been around in the town for forty years running the play clock, and maybe is not a guy who sees a whole lot of going on in the field. So yeah, it'll be kind of a change, but I, I'm assuming there's probably going to be some sort of hand signal to let the clock operator yeah. know kind of what's going on. So I think from that instance, it'll be okay. Yeah, um, like you said, uh, I, I was I was wondering that same thing myself. You know, how are they going to be able to uh, you know differentiate? Upstairs, you know what's what's forty and what's twenty-five. Other than just knowing the rules themselves, um, there's got to be some signal from the official, and, and I, I'm curious as to what that that signal will be. But yeah, uh, should there'll be a couple bumps in that road? Nothing major. I, you know, that's not going to affect any kind of game, or I don't foresee that happening. So, but um, you know, just uh, just a little something new to get used to for us. I think the only change that I foresee that might be different is maybe in the fourth quarter. One thing I notice in high school football a lot is the fact that, you know, if there's three minutes left, you know, in an NFL or a college game, there's almost zero chance another team would get the ball back. But I think, you know, adding a 40-second play clock will really kind of shorten the game late in the game so coaches might have to manage their timeouts a little bit more than they're used to. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you got to be uh, thinking a, a little bit further ahead and, and preparing for that scenario because, yeah, it, it will definitely change the, the, the end of the game a little bit. Yeah, and another one of the changes that they instituted – uh, that I noticed are the numbers on the back of the jersey. 
they were going to outlaw the fact that you know you have to have discernible numbers different from the jersey color. And I think I'm trying to think back. There was a broken arrow Sepulpa game I covered a couple of years ago, and I think it was Sepulpa. They had numbers on the back of their jersey. I think they had blue home jerseys, and the numbers on the back faded from gray to dark blue at the top of the number, so you couldn't tell what it was, and it's just completely frustrating. Unless you unless you knew the players on Sepulpa, you had no idea what was going on in the game. And to me. That's the most frustrating part when you show up to cover a game and you can't read the jerseys. Yeah, and Kingfisher's got a a gray, dark gray jersey uh, with navy numbers, and there's no no discernible outline on them. And I know the Kingfisher players fairly well, uh, but when they wear those jerseys, I struggle to uh, to tell them, especially once they start sweating and that gray becomes darker. Then it kind of you know starts to match with that navy blue on their numbers. And, And I know the players, but you know some of them have similar builds and I'll struggle with, uh, figuring out who's who. Uh, so yeah, I mean, uh, uh, there's a win for the press guys right there. That's right. That's, that was my biggest tip. And and we need a win. We need a win. That's right. We we're always on the opposite end of the winning column. So yeah, consider that a win for the media and we'll take it and we'll, we'll wait another couple of years for another one. Yeah. We'll eat our free food in the press box too. There we go. That'll work for now. Um, other than that, w- weren't many noticeable rule changes that I thought would have a huge impact. So I was going to have you chat a little bit about uh, high school basketball playoffs that started last week. Class A and B boys and girls got fired up. You know, kind of taking a look at taking a look this week to see what all happened. Um, I'll be honest when I when I look at that stuff, it all, it's all kind of white noise to me in the small schools just because there's so much to keep track of. But uh, was there anything over the weekend that was kind of surprising or caught your eye at all? Yeah, I mean there were there were a couple of uh, upsets. You know, normally in the district uh, tournaments, uh, I mean, I'd say it's a, it's about the norm. You'll you'll see a, a few upsets, uh, what I call paper upsets. Um, once you get to, you know to the to the bottom half of a top twenty in class A and B, you know sometimes it, it's a it's very fluid as as to what teams could be in there. So, you know, if you see the number seventeen, number eighteen team get beat, maybe it's an upset, maybe it's not. Uh, you know, it's just. It's tough when you've got over 100 teams to rank, <laughs> and after a while, those those you know after you get past 10 or 15, then it, they really all start to mix together. Um, you know, to me, the biggest upset actually happened in my backyard, um, as the, the number nine Lomega boys they were beaten at home by Okeen. Um and I, I I talked to Coach Justin Edsel a little bit about. It. I said, man, I mean, it was Okeen's eighth straight win. They're 16 and eight now. Um, you know, they kind of, they dropped down from, from class a, uh, but I asked him, you know, was that a surprise? And he goes, well, it's not a surprise that they could beat us because I thought they were capable. Um, but how it happened is what surprised him. And the final score was 80 to 53. So, you know, the number nine team is one win from elimination after the district title, after getting uh, basically whipped at home, he said, we could do nothing right. And, uh, and so, you know, O'Keen upset them and then, uh, boy city knocked off number 14, um, Goodwell, also in Area 1 Class B boys. So uh, a couple of upsets uh, uh, in Area 1. And, uh, you know, when I was kind of going through these brackets, um, a lot of the upsets that actually happened were the, <laughs> the District 1, um, which was just I, it was just kind of a coincidence, but that's where some of the upsets happened. Uh, I'll look at some of the other Class B boys. Uh, Burlington beat number 18, Winoka. Um, I think Winoka had beaten them by 21 earlier in the year, so Burlington pulled off that upset. That was over uh, in Area 2 right there. Um, and then Area 3, 
as I go through my hard copy here because I'm a newspaper guy and that's what I got to have. Yep, uh, you're that old school yeah, guy. Uh, yeah, I mean, and here's another one. Um, number 20, Butner. Um, they're in a district with Boswell and Red Oak, and I think Red Oak, the defending state champion, had the worst record of the three, so they get to pick who they want to play in that Friday elimination game. Well, they chose number 20, Butner, and they beat them by 22. So the, the number 20-ranked team in the state doesn't make it out of the district tournament. And then Red Oak beat Boswell uh, in the district championship. So, uh, you know, Red Oak, I think, um, had five or six wins going in to the district tournament. And, and you know, now they're district champs. And, and in the first round of regionals, uh, in the winner's bracket, um, we're looking at potentially a showdown with number one Kenta in the in the regional final. But... Uh, just goes to show, you know, the uh, the old dog still got some bite there. You know, Red Oak lost obviously a lot from last year, um, but uh, they got to pick their prey. And poor old Butner's uh, now at home after uh, a first round quote unquote upset, if you will. And how do you feel being the number twenty team in the state and you got to play the defending state champs? <laughs> yeah. Probably uh, not great. Yeah, in an elimination game, and it's Red Oak, so you know you don't. I don't. You don't ever want to play Red Oak. You don't care what their record is. Yeah, I don't. I don't know that you want to play Red Oak at any time, at any point, in any sport, in any season, because they're good at everything and they're bound to knock yeah. you off at any time. Yeah, baseball, sure. Softball, yeah, we got you. Yep, Basketball, absolutely. yeah, we won a few of those. So, boys, yeah, girls, yeah, we're good. Um, and all they got the is class A boy. And all they Go have ahead. is Lane Adams at the top, at the at the upper echelon of base, upper upper echelon of baseball, representing Red Oak in the major leagues. Oh heck yeah, man! And he was a heck of a basketball player too. So, uh, um, you know, he 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 was a big time player. You need to ask my uh, my producer. I call him my producer because he he handles all of uh, the behind the scenes stuff on all of our broadcasts. His name's Heath Ritchie. He's one of the two guys who started Coach's Aid. You need to ask him about Red Oak fans sometimes because uh, he's got a few stories. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's a real big fan of Red Oak, let me tell you. Yeah, and whenever I was in Tahlequah covering Sequoia a lot, they because they the one thing I'll give Tahlequah Sequoia credit for is they will go out and they'll schedule hard teams in any sport. And Red Oak was always on the schedule because a lot of those coaches wanted to challenge themselves in basketball and softball. And, yeah, we saw plenty of Red Oak fans during my day when I was in Tahlequah. But, yeah, great people. Um, in Class A boys, Area 1, um, Canton knocked off number 18, Hydro Weekly. Again, um, it's just one of those ones. I, I, that one was a bit more of an upset than, you know, just your, your normal number 18 going down. Um, so Canton is in the, the winner's bracket over there. Um, they'll get to play Arapahoe Butler, um, I think kind of a dangerous team. Um, and then, you know, Glencoe sitting there uh, lurking in a possible regional final. Another one of those teams uh, you don't want to play early is OK. Um, OK, A-Y, the team OK. Um, you know, finished as state runner-up a couple of years, I think, uh, to uh, to Fort Cobb Broxton. And, you know, fell off a little bit this year, but uh, they, they drew Oklahoma Christian Academy uh, in the district championship and knocked off number 17 OCA. So uh, there's another top 20 team that's that's one loss away from, from elimination, and that's in area two there. And... Um, you know, an interesting team in Area 3 is Velma Alma. They're sitting there at 23-0. and um, Haven't lost a game ranked out of the top eight, though. They're number nine. That's because I think they've beaten two top 20 teams all year, one of those being Roth, and Roth is the team they're going to play to open uh, the the uh, regional tournament. So it'll be an interesting matchup there. And, and, and if Velma Alma can get by Roth again, then they're going to get surreal. So 
that'll be a, a real test right there. Surreal is the real deal. Um, despite uh, you know losing one of their top players over the summer, Surreal still a really talented team in Class A boys. Um, Class B girls, no big upsets. Um, all the top 20 teams, I think, are still in the winner's bracket, so no surprises there. And, and all of these, uh, none of the top eight teams were defeated uh, in, in district finals. So, uh, you know, Lomega boys at number nine were the biggest upset. Move on to Class A girls. Um, area one at, played out the form, as did Area two. Um, area three, Sentinel beat number 11, Visai. Um, in their district championship, I think Vice High suffered an injury. I need to do double check on this, but I think one of their better players may be done for the year. Um, so if that certainly is the case, then, then that's going to affect uh, um, how how Vice High, you know, can can go through the bracket. And that that's kind of it for upsets in Class A um, regional tournaments. Start back up Thursday, and I, to me, uh, if you're on the winner side, I always thought that this regional first round game is the most important of the journey. Um, you win that, then you're two wins away from the state tournament. Um, you lose that, then you've got to win five in a row. So, you know, there's a big difference in winning two and, and winning five in a row um, and, and, you know, being on the brink of elimination with each of those wins. So Thursday, a huge day for those teams in the winner's bracket. And there's a lot of upsets. I say a lot. I mean, that's that's kind of when we see some upsets we really, really aren't expecting some of those top teams get knocked off that first Thursday win. When maybe some teams that 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 are overlooked a little bit, that's when uh, when they jump up and bite somebody. Then more often than not, you'll see those teams meet up again in the area tournament, uh, and, and and the team that was ranked higher usually kind of you know prevails in those games. But um, I, I, we'll see some upsets on Thursdays that surprise us. I think. Yeah, you talk about regional opening regional opening games, and whenever I used to cover keys, that's one thing that I always noticed because you know Tahlequah Sequoia was always the team that rarely had a problem making it to the state tournament. Well, for so many years, Keys was always kind of the bridesmaid. Well, they finally, you know, once they finally had a couple teams that were good enough with state tournament-type talent, you know, that regional opening game was always a really big game. Um, If they could end up winning that, they could usually end up advancing to the state tournament. But, yeah, and that's kind of the case everywhere. You know, you show up to that regional opening game, that's the one you really need to focus on because – you know, you win that, you kind of afford yourself a little bit of leeway going forward. Yep. But, you know, otherwise your back's against the wall. And there are some teams that like to play with their backs against the wall. But more often than not, a coach can sleep a little bit better at night if they win that regional opener. Yeah, and some of them, you know, they're going to lose, you know, Thursday night. Some of them have to bounce back for that early game on Friday. So, you know, I, don't, I mean, you got to bounce back. You know, how are you going to mentally overcome, you know, getting upset and being on the brink of elimination when maybe you thought you had a shot at the state tournament, and then how are you physically um, going to respond to that, uh, you know, when you're when you're taking on a team who's coming off a win and already kind of has that experience of, of playing with elimination on the line. So it, regional terms a lot of fun, and, um, you know, I think it, sometimes it gets overlooked. Um, it's tough to get to the area tournament in Class A and B. Um, you know, sure, there, there's the, the Lomega girls out there and the and, – uh, you know the red oaks of the world but you know there's it's tough for you know teams that don't have that traditional talent it's tough it's a big deal to get to the area tournament so um you know um and and they use that as a building block uh for success in later years so you know this is a fun week for the small schools and and it's always a lot of fun to uh, to see the teams that come out and advance to area yeah because 
we will have this week is regional play for the class A and B. Then we'll have district play starts up this weekend for two A, three A, and four A. Do I have that right? Yep. Yep, absolutely. And then regionals will get rolling the weekend after, the same weekend that uh, I'll be in Oklahoma City. I'm going to go Saturday to the uh, finals for the state wrestling tournament. And we by then we will have some state champions crowned and regional basketball will be rolling. And before you know it, basketball will be over and we'll be sitting here wondering what the heck happened. <laughs> yeah, it's it's always, and I'll, I'll, probably, I'll say this probably every week, but this is... I mean, this is my favorite time of year. This is my favorite stretch of, uh, you know, of, of any season. I mean, I love playoff football. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, I just I love playoff basketball. I love how Oklahoma's basketball playoffs are played out. Um, I love how it finishes at the state tournament. I love it. I love it. I love it. And I love when it's over because those last two weekends kick me square in the butt. And that, that A&B weekend, that's a, it's a good primer. It's like, oh, you know, that wasn't so bad. You know, four state championships today. All right, I'll be ready for next week. Then, oh no, man! But uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's so awesome. But I'm so glad when it's over too. I kind of had that same feeling Saturday when I was in Shawnee. Uh, went for <laughs> for dual state and showed up for the semifinals at noon, mainly because I wanted to see Broken Arrow and Mustang duel it out in six A. But by the time all the champions were crowned and the doors were locked and they turned the lights off on the media people, it was about nine nine thirty and yeah, you're thinking, yep, glad it's over with. I'm going to go home and kind of rest for a little bit. Yeah, 9, 9.30 is about the time the last state basketball championship gets underway. Right. No, <laughs> On that second weekend, that is, that's a brutal weekend. But, but yeah, and, uh, you know, um, I think more importantly for you on Saturday, um, more important than the wrestling was, was Van's pig stand. Is that correct? Oh, that is absolutely correct. That was great stuff. I uh, sent you a picture and – Good to know now that you uh, love photo or yeah you love photos of food. So yeah, I will um, I will never dog anybody who posts photos of food or sends me photos of food. Um, I, you know I don't I don't know why why people would ever have a problem with that. I I, I love to share the old food stories and uh, yeah I was I was uh, dining in Lawton and I, I think I sent you something right back a, a couple hours later. So yeah yeah I'm uh, I'm, I'm in the food picture boat. Yeah, and uh, if Van's Pig Stand, if they happen to listen to this and they want to sponsor the show, they are more than welcome to. Um, yeah, they're getting they're getting some good free advertising right now. That's right. The uh, got some chopped brisket, some ribs, uh, baked beans, and potato salad. And it was a plus. Enjoyed it, and it was in between sessions. I would, honestly, I was a little worried that it might be really busy because it was in between the afternoon and evening sessions. I pulled in, was maybe four cars there, so grabbed it, went back to the arena, and I was good to go. And I was going Yeah, and and it should be noted. I mean, you were going to go there regardless, but uh, you know, it it did come highly recommended by yours truly. So I That's mean, right. Yeah, no. Hey guys, step up here now. That's right. Yeah, if if it gets the Michael Swisher seal of approval, I expect a lot of a lot of good things and uh they came through, which is good. So it turned out to no. be turned out to be a really good day. Um the semifinal action at Dual State was really good. Um off the top of my head, I'm trying to th- run through all the semifinal matchups in my head. There wasn't a ton of drama outside of Broken Arrow Mustang. Um, I was kind of, you know, we have a group group text in the Squirtle group and kind of keeping you guys updated. And uh, a lot of great drama from beginning to end, mainly because one of Broken Arrow's top wrestlers, we Reese Whitcraft, entered the weekend with an ankle injury. I don't think Broken Arrow really wanted to use him, but they had to against Mustang. Mustang jumped out 
won the first three matches, and they kind of had to roll him out there, and he he looked like someone who was wrestling on one leg. But because he's an Oklahoma State signee and he's really good on the mat, he handled business, got a win, didn't come without some drama because Broken Arrow was docked a team point for unsportsmanlike conduct throughout the along the way. Um, ultimately ended up beating Mustang. Uh, I know some of the Mustang folks are still pretty unhappy about how everything played out, but I don't really know what could have been done about it afterwards other than, you know, you just kind of, you learn from everything and move on. Um, I think that's what everyone else did. And by the time the finals rolled around, really wanted to pay a lot of attention. I thought Choctaw might give Broken Arrow a little bit more run for their money. Um, but the one thing that stood out to me uh, in the match, got pulled up here. By the time Choctaw's Gabe Johnson came up, that there was the third match in uh, Gabe Johnson state state qualifier, state champion at Choctaw, really good. Uh, he ended up matching up with Broken Arrow's Chris Moore's. Uh, big mismatch on paper, and there were multiple times Chris Moore's could have gotten pinned, maybe could have swung the momentum in this thing. And it sounds crazy to say he took one for the team and suffered a really good major decision loss, but I think Broken Arrow maybe looked at that, or Choctaw maybe looked at that and thought, we can, you know, we can get a lot of bonus points out of this. They didn't get as many as they wanted to, and then they only won one match from that point on. Broken Arrow rolled, beat Choctaw 50-10. to 10. Um, as we stated before, Tuttle and Perry in 4A and 3A respectively won pretty easily. Uh, Perry was challenged a little bit by Marlowe for, for a brief period of time. The, the best part about Perry winning was I think they won by 11. Ronnie Delk afterwards was telling Jimmy Gillespie at the Stillwater News Press um, he was not very happy. So he, while his team's celebrating, he's over there kind of fuming that, that his guys didn't perform like, like Perry wrestling is used to people performing. So if you're someone who is going to predict how and how things are going to play out in the state tournament, go ahead and put all your money on Perry because these next two weeks, I'm sure they're going they're just going to get put through the ringer in the wrestling room, and uh, their opponents are regional and state are yeah. going to pay the price for that. Yeah, and, and Perry's hosting a, a regional, I believe, in three A. So yep. uh, you know they get to stay at home and host that one. You know things are are going well for you when. Uh, when you're Perry and you're unhappy with the the uh, point spread in your dual state championship win, and when you're Tuttle and your biggest fear is you might lose one of the matches uh, over the three duels. Oh no, we may not sweep this duel. So uh, things things are, are going all right for those two programs. Yeah, I had a wrestling coach text me on Sunday, just amazed at the fact that Tuttle went through the weekend by a combined score of two hundred nine to zero. Um, okay, you're you're the wrestling guy, and I've I've heard this for a couple of years now. There's a lot of you know rumors out there and um, uh, urban legend, but uh, the the story I keep hearing is that people feel that next year Tuttle will be Tuttle's quote unquote year, um, a year in which they feel that they could possibly win a title at every weight next year. Is that is that something that's talked about amongst you you wrestling folk? Um, or is that just uh, some of that crazy BS that, that, that you hear on the periphery? Um, no, I don't think that is – I don't think that's crazy. I think uh, you look at their lineup, I th- the only senior that comes to mind is Carson Berryhill. There might be one more I'm forgetting. But you look at Dustin Plot at 170. He's a junior. Dude is maybe one of the best in the country. Only loss of the year was to a kid at Blair Academy at the Geary, at the Geary Tournament. Uh, Luke Serber is going to be back. Uh, that's Matt's son at 152. Uh, I think Garrett Stidley is back. Reese Davis is a freshman. 
uh, Kevin Guffey, uh, his uh, his brother Bo was really good back in the day. So you know that's there's good pedigree there. You know, I'm just looking up and down, look looking up and down the roster about how they did against Wagner, and it's pretty unbelievable. And in the interview with Matt Serber, I kind of asked him to compare this year's team to years past, and you know he he holds this team in pretty high regard because they went out to Gilroy, California, won a tournament out there against some of California's best, and you know that's not easy to do. And Tuttle's had a lot of good teams, but you know they have Dustin Plot anchoring in at 170 and kind of work around him. And I, I know going into regionals this week, the goal will be for them just to get every – their goal to be to win every weight at regionals, but obviously to yes. qualify every weight. And then show up to the state tournament and try and collect 200 points and win another title. You know what I'm saying? So, so maybe that question can be better answered in two weeks once we see how Tuttle actually does at state, who's coming back for sure. I mean, who we know coming back and, and uh, you know, maybe – you know, I, I hear that, and I kind of like, eh, yeah, whatever. I mean, sure, uh, that sounds good. But, I mean, I, I think quali- qualifying somebody at every weight is a heck of a, an accomplishment. and uh, But a chance to, uh, you know, even medal at every weight is, is seems unreal to me. To to even think that you would have a chance to, to win every weight seems unfathomable. Yeah, and what, what Tuttle's done is they've, they've managed to work their lineup like they're going to have a couple guys graduate, but they're going to have more guys cycle in. And while they have that, they have a kid like Reese Davis who's a freshman in the lineup. And I want to say, um, I think maybe Harley Andrews. There's another freshman that starts for them somewhere along the way. I can't off the top of my head remember who it is. But, you know, they, they're pretty well balanced in the fact they have freshmen through seniors in the lineup. So, yeah, a couple guys may graduate, but they're just going to cycle more people in and – you know, they're also in a class in 4A that is not exactly deep in wrestling. I mean, Wagner, yeah. Rag, Wagner's good, Cushing's good, but none of them are to the level of what Tuttle is right now. And, I mean, honestly, I don't know when that might end up, when their dynasty will end. I mean, I don't foresee it happening anytime soon, honestly. Well, apparently it's not going to be happening next year, so. No, it won't be. I can guarantee you that. As and, long, and, and I heard a rumor that, that Perry is going to stay good at wrestling. Uh yeah, I mean, if I had to put money on them being good at wrestling, I would. I, th- I want to feel like my money would be pretty safe there. Yeah, just I mean, I just I just heard that, and I just wanted to confirm it. Yep, and what's and I mean that's another reason why at dual state when they're wrestling all the finals all at once, um, you you end up on the other side of the arena. You kind of you let Tuttle and Perry wrestle on that other side, and you're going to keep it on six A and five A because they might offer up a little bit more drama. Whereas 6A didn't, um, the one that was really great, that was Piedmont, Sky took. Piedmont advanced to the finals for the first time. Sky took back in the finals again for a second year in a row after losing a lot in MAC. Uh, came down to the last one, tied 25-25, and Sky took had the advantage. They sent out Josh Taylor, last year's state champion. Uh, beat Mitchell Lance 8-0. Uh, came up with an early takedown, and I think my favorite part of the match was in midway through the second period, they had to reset and get in the middle of the mat. He looked over at the scores table and he winked at someone. I don't know who he's winking at, but um, I want to say that he felt pretty confident he was going to win that match. Yeah, that's, that's got to be a great feeling. Um, you know, different sports have, uh, you know, you, you kind of dream scenarios. And in wrestling, obviously, it being mostly a, an individual sport, um, the chance to go out there with the the duel tied up, uh, and the state, the the team, the dual state championship on the line, and and you're the one with the chance to bring it home. That's got to be uh, one of, one of the ultimate feelings uh, in wrestling. 
uh, especially as far as the dual state championship goes. So, uh, you know, that's, that's, that had to be – and that's their first one, right? Was that their first one? Yes. That was their, yeah. Skytook's first dual title. They won and they won a team title at the state tournament back in like 1978, I believe it was. So, yeah, there was a lot of celebrating going on Skytook's side. And, look, you go into dual state and they post – when they post the brackets, they post the three or four pages in the memo – talking about there's a piece in there that says the quarterfinals will start at this weight, semifinals at this weight, finals at this weight. So Skytook went in knowing in the finals it was going to start at 132. That meant Josh Taylor was going to have his chance to do what he does at the end of the lineup. They just All they had to do was probably be, even if they were down one, they probably would feel pretty good. Um, obviously in a duel you'd like to lead the whole time, but whenever Piedmont has a guy like Josh Heinzelman at heavyweight, you know, that's probably you're probably going to end, end up giving up six points because he's the best heavyweight in the state, in my opinion. Outside, yeah, I think he, I think he is the best heavyweight because I think Broken Arrow Zach Marchesilli wound up wrestling at 220 at the state tournament. So, you know, a lot of great things at the at dual state. I ended up posting recaps on the website, got some videos, got some good stuff. Hope to do that again at the state tournament in a couple of weeks. Um, Michael, anything hey. else before we listen to what Tuttle Coach Matt Serber and Tuttle's Carson Barry Hill had to say? Well, and, but I just you know, want to mention them. We already had a lot of uh, Tuttle and Perry fans, obviously, who uh, have hit up the website, checked out your, your wrestling stuff. Um, so we certainly appreciate them. I know that they devour all of that stuff, and um, you know something new for Squirtle there. So uh, obviously, we appreciate you doing that, but appreciate them, uh, you know, really jumping on all that information that, that you provided. So uh, pretty cool to see that. Yep. Uh- when wrestling season rolls around, I know you know a lot of people gravitate to basketball in the state, but I really got into wrestling a few years ago, and I you know enjoyed covering it year round. There's so many tournaments I don't get a chance to go to that you know if I get a chance to go to dual state in the state tournament, I you know I hate to miss up, hate to pass up that opportunity. So yeah, I really enjoyed it a lot. Um, and with that, I think we will go ahead and sign off for another week. We have interviews with Tuttle Coach Matt Server coming up, and then. Tuttle's Carson Berryhill just offer up their thoughts on Tuttle Wrestling and all the success that they've had. Uh, Join us next week, and uh, we'll see you later. I am joined now by Tuttle head coach Matt Serber. Matt, how are you tonight? Doing good, Ben. Doing good. Excited to get this finals match started. Well, like you said, talking to you right before dual state finals, but just kind of tell me, you know, put into words what your career at Tuttle has kind of meant to you and, you know, how do you put all the success into words that you guys have had? Man, it's been uh, it's been it's been a true blessing. We got a lot of great kids, a lot of great parents and uh, alumni in Tuttle, and uh, makes my job easy. You know, I just try to try to keep the ship really headed in the right direction. I got a lot of help from a lot of people, and uh, all our athletics in Tuttle, our ag band, we're, we're successful in a lot of stuff, and it kind of feeds from one program to the next. So the the expectation, the standards, kind of set high, and um, you know, our community kind of expects that, and our kids work hard and um, desire the success, you know, that we get. So it's been it's been a fun run. You know, you talk about the t- success Tuttle has had, but this year is almost on a whole new level. You know, football team wins a championship, um, softball team. I mean, what's it like in Tuttle these days with every team kind of walking around with gold rings on their fingers? Well, I, I think that a lot of us really recognize that, at least I know uh, – myself and our guys do that we're grateful for where we're at with um that it that it doesn't just happen you know we understand that it takes a certain amount of work and dedication and 
our kids all show up from all the programs and, and put in their time in the summer, in the fall, in the spring, in a weight room and doing all the extra. And, uh, you know, so, yeah, our softball team, our cheerleading team, our football team, everybody's had a great year so far. For you personally, you know, it's, uh, Luke's been on the varsity team for a while, but to be able to show up to practice every day and then show up to a duel or a tournament and get to spend that extra time with him, how special is that to you? Yeah, it's, it's, it really is special. You know, there was a, you know, when you coach, you're, you're away from your family a whole lot, and so and especially with wrestling, I mean, we're gone a lot. And so when, I was, when he was younger, uh, my wife and grandparents and stuff would take him to tournaments. We'd be going to high school match or something I try to follow online or whatever so now that I get to coach him and see him every day it's it's really been a lot of fun my daughter she's a freshman basketball player so now it's kind of hard trying to juggle that so there's days I've been getting out of practice really quick and driving to Weatherford or, or Lindsay or wherever to what catch her uh, she's a freshman gets to play a little bit of varsity basketball and so it's kind of doing double duty right now now, re refresh my memory. How long ago was it that you took over at Tuttle? Took over in uh, – so, so I got there in 05, and I was assistant with Coach Henning, and then uh, took over in the spring of 06. And, uh, you know, it's been a fun run since. And it's actually Coach Henning's back helping us this year. So he'd been at Norman North for a few years, retired, and so he's come back in as a lay coach helping a little bit. And so, um, you know, it's pretty neat to have him back in there as well. When you took over, could you have envisioned the kind of success that this program has been able to achieve over the past decade? No, not at all. I know uh, got a good friend named Ryan Nesbitt, and I remember probably after we won our won our first one in uh, our individual championship in '09. I knew we had a good chance in 2010 because we returned about 10 seniors that year. They were juniors, and in 2011, uh, the the slate was wiped clean. We had a lot of guys that graduated. And I remember talking to Ryan, like, hey, we've got some good young guys, and if they come around, we could maybe rattle off a few more. And he was one of the football coaches there at Tuttle at the time. And uh, those kids really rose to occasion that year in 2011, and we beat a lot of – Blackwell had some good guys, so did Cushing. And really, in my mind then, it was kind of uh, like the system that we were teaching we knew that worked, and then the kids being around those older kids. I told everybody, I said, hey, they were in here training all last year. Now they got their opportunity and they're flourishing with it. So it, it was really astounding to see that happen. And then, you know, from each year on, it's kind of been just like this year. We've got two freshmen starting and a couple of sophomores. So I've been really fortunate that, that the cupboard hadn't never been bare over the last 10 years. Yeah, and the guys that are kind of leading this team right now, you know, we mentioned Luke's one of them. You have Carson. Uh, you have Garrett. Uh, another one, Dustin. Um, there's really no quit in this lineup, really. Um, and I know it's hard for you to compare one team to another, but where would you say this year's team ranks among all some of all the total teams that you've had in the yeah, past? Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of our better ones. I, I'm, I'm still really close to our alumni from 2009, 2010, all right. the way through. And so they tell me all the time, it's, it's one of them deals, the older you get, the better they were. You sure. know, it's so like every, uh, every single person got better when they were older. Oh, it's weird. yeah, no doubt. They come in, it's like, they look like, oh, coach, we worked a lot harder. I said, hey, hold on. I remember. I know what we did. This year we're doing this, this, and this. And so, but to put it in perspective, uh, it, it's a great group. You know, we cracked top ten in the country the first time ever a few weeks ago. And we've got some outstanding leadership. Our kids all, all are good examples and, and, and are good people, you know, not only good wrestlers. And, you know, one of our best wrestlers, Dustin Plott, he's probably our hardest worker on the team and does extra. And when you got guys like that and Carson Berryhill – that lead by example, plus also are true competitors and like to scrap, it, it, it really feeds a fire to everybody else. You know, a lot of people in Oklahoma, they know what Tuttle and Perry mean to the state, but then you guys go to a place like Gary and you see a Blair Academy. For you, 
what does a weekend like that mean to you? And what kind of teaching tools are you able to pull from a program like Blair that's just kind of rolling through everyone? We really, we really look forward to it. I, I know that uh, we look forward to going and scrapping and trying to beat some of their guys. And uh, this week when we got back the following week after the Geary tournament was one of our better weeks. I just, we had some guys uh, see, you know, because Blair, there's no secret. They had like 10 or 11 dudes drank nationally and right. come, they come from all over. Yeah, I think so, it's 11 this week. You know, and, and you get to see it firsthand. And right. so uh, what I was really excited about was that next week we got into the room our guys were eager to either up their intensity or really those player kids are all really solid hand fighters and they reshoot really well. And uh, we, we really hammered some of that stuff out. And I think it just, you know, when you see those guys and some of our guys can beat them at the Geary tournament, uh, as you go throughout the season, it really gives them a certain amount of confidence and lets them know that, hey, they're not like superhuman, you know. And so uh, it's been good seeing them. Now, obviously, your, your life is consumed with wrestling probably, what, September through March-ish? Uh, yeah, if or, you ask my wife, it's like year-round. Right. She says that's all I do. I talk on the phone and different things. But, but <laughs> let's say spring and summer months, what does Matt Serber do to kind of unwind? Uh, man, what I really look forward to this spring is uh, following my daughter. She's a really good She's really good at track. She runs the hurdles. And so she's going to be a freshman this year, and she's already got her, eye, her, her sight set on winning a state championship in the hurdles. And we got a really good girls track team in Tuttle. So I really look forward to doing that. I uh, like to hang out really chase my kids around i used to like to fish and hunt but it's just it's hard to fit that in but um and i used to golf so you picked the wrong profession to be able to fish and hunt no doubt so i don't know i really just uh you know we did a lot of wrestling last spring luke went to uh las vegas and we had a lot of kids on our junior team and our cadet team and schoolboy team and so really doing that that kind of is what we do awesome man thanks for joining us appreciate it ben thanks I'm joined now by Carson Berryhill, kind of the leader of Tuttle High School these days as a quarterback and one of the star wrestlers on the wrestling team. Carson, how are you tonight? Good. How about yourself? Doing good. Um, you know, we're here before the dual state finals. Um, kind of explain to me or, um, you know, how exciting has wrestling been this year, kind of coming down off that high of the football season? Oh, it's been amazing just leading up into it, just working hard at all times, going from football straight into wrestling, no breaks. Kind of recap the football season for me. How much of a, how special is that for you guys? I know Tuttle's been good these past couple of years, but hadn't been able to get over that hump. Whenever you guys, the clock hits zero against Bethany, how special is that for everyone? Oh, there was nothing like it. Um, I mean, everybody in the town was just going crazy. I don't think it's been done since 2005, right. I believe. Yeah. So it was just a really special moment for me and my teammates. And to be able to join the wrestling program, I mean, everyone knows when it comes to 4A wrestling, there's really, you know, Tuttle's kind of in a class of its own. So how do you guys approach a practice or a duel or a tournament knowing that you guys are probably head and shoulders above everyone else? Um, we just got to take it one match at a time. Everyone just has to do their part and be able to wrestle to the best of their ability. Now for you, um, kind of talking to Coach Serber, I know, um, you know, well, just for you, what would you prefer to do in college, football or wrestling? Um... It's it, that's a hard question. Whenever I'm in football, I love football. But whenever I'm in wrestling, I love wrestling. So, so you'll take whatever comes your way. Yes. Um, you know what? What's ahead, what's ahead for you in the springtime? Um, I have to make that big decision. So. All right, man. Well, good luck in the dual state finals, and thanks for joining us. Thank you.